This is the Extra Innings Podcast. We're going to Extra Innings. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down all the latest with the blue. Hosted by Dodger insider and award-winning reporter. You have one for most entertaining talk show host to listen to while on the way to work. David Vassay. Welcome to episode 20 of the Extra Innings Podcast presented by Corona Extra. Corona Extra, that's my beer. Find the fine life. Please drink responsibly. We got a great show for you today. Andre Ethier will check back in and we will talk to not only Dodger broadcaster, but now author Tim Neverett, who has a new book out titled COVID Curveball. I guess Tim wrote a book during the COVID season last year. He did not broadcast any of the Dodger games because Charlie Steiner was doing that from home. Rick Monday was doing it from a suite. I would see Tim Neverett every home game and he would walk out to the suite that Rick Monday was broadcasting the games from. We were doing the pre and post game shows for and he would sit in the first row or two of the suite and keep score, watch the games. But like us, he was never allowed in the clubhouse or anywhere near the players. So interested to talk to him about COVID curveball because he did have limited access and wondering what his perspective was. So we'll talk to Tim about it. But before we get to those guys, you know, I'm here in the station and a lot of times I don't let you in on what's going on behind the scenes, but I got to do it today as I record episode 20 here, our 20th episode of the Extra Innings Podcast presented by Corona. I walk in, I see my guy Rodney Pete I'm in the kitchen putting my food in the refrigerator. Rodney Pete comes in of all people and tells me, I was driving home from the game last night, and this was after the first game against the Pirates. I had my wife, Holly, in the car. I had two of our kids in the car, and I wanted to listen to some easy listening on the way home from the game. And Holly said, no, we're listening to Dave and Dodger talk after the game. So that means a lot that the Pete's were listening to me on the way home. It means a lot to me that you listen on the way home, and it means even more to me that you still haven't gotten enough of me and still want to listen to this podcast. So I really appreciate it. And uh, we have a lot of fun here at the station. I had a lot of fun over the course of the last week because my wife and kids went with the in-laws to visit her 97-year-old grandmother in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The only person I know that lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, because he wants to, is A.J. Ellis, the former Dodger catcher. And I'm not even sure he wants to. His wife is from there, so I'm not even sure he wants to live there. But that's where he lives with his family, and they have a great marriage, great family. So those are the only two people. So I got to be honest with you. I am so happy that my wife insisted on going to Milwaukee during the baseball season, during the summer, and not waiting for me to finish the baseball year and go out and visit. And don't get me wrong. I love her grandmother, 97 years old, no doubt about it. Love her. She's a great lady. But I don't want to go to Milwaukee. I really don't. I've done that once in the wintertime with her, and 
it was it was all right, but am I really going to waste part of my off season by going to Milwaukee? So now you got to ask yourself, what were you doing when you were home all alone without your wife and kids? Well, I had big plans. I was thinking after every East Coast Dodger road game, which started at 4 o'clock, I would go out, go to the bars, go to Pineapple Hill Saloon, go to Rocco's Tavern in Studio City, maybe even go big and go to Laurel Tavern one night. None of that ever materialized. I just went home and enjoyed the silence, enjoyed watching whatever I wanted to watch on Netflix or TV, watch sports, watch other baseball games when I got home. I did have one big night, and it went sideways on me. And I'm not ashamed to let you know about it. I'm not a perfect person. I'm just like you. And I'm you know, married with two kids now, but you know they're out of town, so... I set up a dinner with uh, a friend who had other friends that wanted to meet me. They're listeners to the show. Had never met any of these people before. So we set up a dinner at Phil Trainees in Long Beach. And look, you go to Phil Trainees in Long Beach, you're going to eat good and you're going to drink good. So in preparation for that, you know, I was not planning on spending the night in Long Beach. It was after the day game in Philadelphia. So I was available for dinner, set it up. Did not want to take away from my time with my kids, so I knew they would be out of town, and I set it up. So go down to Phil Trainees. Well, first of all, went down to Belmont Shores to meet the Prince of Tabs, Bernie Selmanson, one of the great people you will ever meet in Long Beach, and had a couple of beers there with him. Then went to the dinner at Phil Trainees, and Phil, by the way, was cooking that night because his chef did not show up. So uh, I was down there cooking with Phil. Uh, We did a little Instagram live session and you may have caught that before I deleted it because why? Why why do I need to do that? Why do I have to leave that up there? Either you saw it or you didn't see it. So after dinner, you know, I'm drinking, having a good time with the guys and then Phil's done cooking. He comes to sit down after dinner. So you got to have some wines with Phil Trainee and all of a sudden, you know, I'm saying, oh boy, I'm glad I brought the overnight bag, so had to spend the night in Long Beach, did not drive, I was responsible, left the car in the parking lot, went to the Hyatt Regency in Long Beach, slept it off, and came back for the next game in New York, but that would never fly while my wife was home. So I just let you in on bachelor life for a week, not as big as I thought it would be, and by the way, now that I'm over 40, it it's a little bit harder to bounce back. It's a lot harder to bounce back. I did not feel like myself until probably Saturday after that Thursday night. So the big plans I had while my family was out of town just completely did not materialize. I just, um, I'm not in my prime anymore. What can I say? Well, I still am, but it takes a little bit more to bounce back. All right, time for Andre Ethier. My favorite. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to see you're not wearing khakis. Your favorite. And not everyone holds themselves to a high physical standard around here, but... Uh, Probably not Vasse's favorite. I know no one listens to your show, so... <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Just kidding. DV is joined by Andre Ethier. Episode 20 with Andre Ethier on the Extra Innings Podcast presented by Corona. How you doing, Dre? Good. What's going on? Got, uh... I guess you asked me a question there, but uh, the question is, how am I doing is kids are back in school. I uh, started school out here in Phoenix uh, last week, and uh, I'm, I wouldn't lie if I were to 
you know, wouldn't tell you that it's kind of nice to have him back in school because I can go and uh, hit a bucket of balls again in the middle of the day when I feel like it. Yeah, when was the last time you actually hit a golf ball? Uh, I, last time I hit a golf ball was the weekend uh, before Memorial Day. Oh, that... So that was the last day. Yeah, right? You uh, Did you ever think you would be as big of a golfer as you've become in retirement? Well, I'm not. I'm not a big golfer. It's just <laughs> every time I call you, you're golfing. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not really golfing. Maybe hitting balls or doing something <laughs> like that. But hey, you can't take you can't take the the swing out of the hitter, you know. So it's, I got got to be swinging something. I got to be uh, you know taking my hacks, whether it's at a at a baseball or right what I'm doing now is a golf ball. So uh, it's just you know it's a way for me to get outside, uh, get a little movement, get a little exercise going again, and. Uh, um, kind of break up, uh, you know, the day from dropping off kids, taking a few uh, things I need to do, uh, you know, errand wise around, and then uh, you know, take a little time before it's time for pickup here, uh, you know, coming up soon. So yeah, it's uh, it's fun to go out there and do it, um, you know, and hit those balls. But uh, I was definitely missing it, but I, I did. I enjoyed my summer with my kids. Uh, this is the great part about. Um, you know, playing all these years with the Dodgers and then getting to retire at such a young age and spend this quality time uh, with the family now. Andre, uh, speaking of golf and baseball, I've known players, specifically pitchers, that have golfed a lot, and I've known some position players that golf as well, but some of them would tell me while they were playing, they would never golf during the season because they were concerned it would affect their baseball swing. Is that something real, or was that just a superstition or paranoia? I mean, I think it all depends on who, how, what you do. I know guys who golf all the time, and I know, like you said, guys who was, like, taboo not to do it. Um, I I never was golfing ever when I was playing just for the fact that uh, I was pretty worn out, uh, you know, through the year and didn't really have, you know, I felt like I had energy to go out on an off day and do it. And then during the off season, uh, I was so, uh, as you know, and like you like to point out, so high, strong and, and, <laughs> and going about it that I didn't have time in the off season to go do it. So I was out there just always grinding year round, working on my baseball swing, working on, uh, you know, strength and conditioning, always doing that stuff to, to try to figure out a way to get better every year and then get better through the season. So, uh, I was one who could never take up. So you could say now I'm making up for lost time on uh, going out and uh, you know getting a chance to hit the golf ball and, and enjoy it a little bit more. But it's not too enjoyable because I'm not very good at it. So um, there's a lot of days where uh, I walk off the course or off the off the range and I'm, I'm more frustrated than when I started. But <laughs> it's one where I, I still laugh and, and, and have fun doing it. I thought it was so funny when you came to Texas last year during the World Series and you said you had like some app or a map and you found a golf course for us to go hit some bait, uh, hit some golf balls before a game. I thought this is so not Andre Ethier, but it is now. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, we were there at that World Series, right? And then uh, still an un- uncertain world, I think an uncertain world even now, but even more of an uncertain world there and. And me and you were kind of stuck in our quarantine uh, areas, and it was a great chance for us to to get out of that uh, you know that field and where we're at um, you know during that World Series. But yeah, I mean, uh, it, it takes up some of my time right now to do it. Um, but you know, between my seats out in the 
the outfield, sitting out there in the home run seats and playing golf, there's not much else I, I had to do during the day. Well, you still have a lot of baseball knowledge, and you dropped it on us a couple of episodes ago when your former manager, Joe Torre, used to tell you guys that when you come down the stretch and you're trailing first place, you want to pick up a game a week. A great example of that and how hard it is, the Dodgers win five of six on their East Coast road trip. They left L.A. four games back, and they come back to L.A. four games back. So with 43 games to go as we record episode 20, it's a lot more challenging than a lot of people realize. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what I didn't believe. You know, you hear you hear a guy like Joe Torrey tell you that, and you're a young guy, and you're like, oh, five games back, you know, a game a week. We have eight weeks to go. What are you talking about? And then all of a sudden you look up, and two weeks have gone by. There's six weeks left in what we have, uh, um, you know, a five games with six weeks to go. And you're like, wait, wait, those numbers are starting to ring true. So, you know, all those seasons we played, and going through them and you're looking at the standings, you're looking at the schedule and uh, it always rang true. So yeah, I said that a couple of weeks ago and yeah, we look up, right. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven weeks of season left with five games behind. So, um, you know, maybe a really hot 10 day stretch in there and then a really cold 10 day stretch, you know, mixed in with, uh, you know, San Francisco, and it looks like, you know, you're right back at, uh, you know, maybe a one or two game lead going into that last week or something like that. But I hate to point it out again, Dave, we talked about this and we kind of said it, and you got mad at me on that show for saying it, but those games in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago were, I feel like, very important and very make or break games going forward for this last, you know, two months of the season. And I feel like they're starting to, you know, ring true even more. Yeah, and they only have three more games to go, Andre, and that makes it a little bit more difficult. And those three games are during Labor Day weekend at Oracle Park. And I remember when you were playing, you would tell me that the Giants pitchers, yeah, you have to respect what they had done, but they were much better in that ballpark than what they were away from that ballpark. The, that team is just better in that ballpark. I, I don't know what it is. You know, even the added, I, I'm watching highlights from last night's game of, you know, they just got Chris Bryant and he's, uh, he was playing well all year, but steps right in that ballpark and no problem, uh, you know, is back into that, you know, and I hate to say it, that scary, good Giants team form that we saw, you know, in the mid 2000s. So, um, you know, big hits and big innings down there, and they just have a way of playing those Giants teams in that ballpark. And you got to give them credit for, uh, you know, the way they do it. And it's uncomfortable. It's just uncomfortable. You get in there, um, you know, you've been traveling, you know, a tough East Coast swing, right? That this team just got off of Philly, hot, humid, rain delays. Same thing in New York, hot, humid, rain, on and off the field. And then all of a sudden, you go and play in San Francisco in the middle of summer, and it's you know, 63 degrees, 20 mile per hour wind gust. Uh, you know, the mist coming off the 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 bay one game. So it's just a very uncomfortable situation to be thrown in after you're you know playing in hot weather cities, good weather, bad weather, and then you're thrown in this cold environment um, back in San Francisco every year. Uh, you know, for those series, and that's I think where that edge that team gets. And um, how many Dodger teams have you seen going to San Francisco that were really good? facing a really bad Dodger or a really bad Giants team. And it's always like a two, one, 
three-two ball game in the seventh or eighth inning. Yeah, it's never easy. You're right. And never, never easy. It always feels like it's a one-run game going into the sixth or seventh inning. Doesn't matter how good either team is. It's always that score up there somehow. Hey, speaking of that, do you remember the first year you guys clinched the division and you guys started to take off after a slow start in 2013? I always felt that the double that A.J. Ellis hit, I think it was a double, bases bases loaded double, A.J. Ellis had to give you guys the win that day in San Francisco was the turning point of your season in San Francisco. Does that ring a bell? Does it sound familiar? Yeah, for sure. And that was like that was like that deep breath moment. I totally remember that. You know, kind of uh, everyone was like on the edge of their seats, you know, holding their breath, waiting for that, you know, is it going to turn their way, is it going to turn our way? And then all of a sudden, AJ comes up and hit, has that big hit. And I think everyone took that sigh of relief. And that's when everything just kind of like, you know, kicked into full gear and the team went off and, and did what it did. Yeah, that was really awesome. I always remember that day um, and that team. I love that team. That's one of my favorite teams, the 2013 Dodgers. Dre, I got something for you. Um, it's um, it's not a negative, but it's just fact. The Dodgers have given up more unearned runs than any other team in baseball, and they have really good defensive players. Can you describe the level of focus you need to have defensively and be locked in defensively? Is it a matter of that? Because these same players were so good defensively, and it feels like maybe the emphasis on offense is so great these days that sometimes you take defense for granted. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like when you remind me that, and the number keeps growing every time you remind me that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's going to grow, but it, it's, it shouldn't. they shouldn't be the team in baseball leading in that category if you're you know right they're leading they there's so many other categories that you could lead in that are great categories and that's not a very flattering one to be you know be leading the league in and yeah i think you hit it right there's so many quality uh defensive players who've been rewarded we have gold glove guys in the outfield across the board right some games between mookie betts bellinger and pollock we got gold glove guys out there we got uh a gold, uh, a gold glove caliber third baseman. Um, you know, our shortstop, uh, Corey Seager's back uh, playing there. Um, you know, we got guys at first base who can play defense many positions. Um, we got two catchers that are, you know, at the top of the game defensively as catchers and get rewarded that way and, and, and recognized that way. And to, to lead, yeah, to lead baseball in a catcher, I think that's something that you need to take more pride in um, as for one, a baseball player, and two, being a team of this caliber and a team that has these expectations to win a World Series. Um, I know for myself, I always took pride in my defense and, and being held and being recognized as a top defensive player. Uh, and, you know, and that's the thing. Sometimes you get carried away in the uh, aspect of the game of being an offensive player and taking those, you know, at-bats maybe in the defense and, and not, um, you know, concentrating enough on – on the on the defensive side and um i hopefully that's not the case hopefully it's just been a, a mix of some bad luck situations and and things where uh you know the ball, ball hasn't bounced their way and it's ended up in unearned runs but um yeah it's not a category i think this team wants to be leaving yeah you were a pretty good defender in your day you won a couple of gold gloves and was that just about ability or was it about having that focus and 
thinking a pitch or two ahead of what you may do when the ball is hit? What is it that leads to good players not making characteristic defensive plays? Yeah, I think it's just really uh, making a choice. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mental choice to go out there and do that and want to play that way. and do. It. I know it's easier said than done, but all those guys up there have the capability to do that. You know it. I know it. Um, the fans know it, the, 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 the coaches, the management who picked them know it. And it's just, you know, holding yourself accountable and making that choice to go out there and do that and, you know, not make those mistakes. Um, you know, it's tough. This, this game, uh, is really tough to play on an everyday basis over and over again. And to have to stay focused in day in, day out is tough for those three hours. I know, you know, people say, oh, that's your job, do it. But it's tough to keep that when there's so many other things going on, um, you know, whether it's, you know, how you're playing uh, to off the field stuff uh, and to turn that on and off and to have to execute, uh, you know, tough, high leverage at bats. And then, you know, all of a sudden the ball bounces your way and to have to make a make or break play that could be the difference in the game. Yeah, it's tough to go out there and do that. And I think that just the team, you know, needs to really step up and dig deep here this last couple of weeks and and kind of limit those uh uh, you know, those errors that they've been making. All right, Dre, before we say goodbye for this week, do you want to hear my prediction for the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, I love it. All right. I still believe the Dodgers can catch the Giants, but this is my prediction, and I hope the Dodgers prove me wrong. They're having a great year. They have the second best record in baseball. Nothing to be ashamed about. The Giants, just everything is going their way, and they're making their own breaks. So this is my prediction. The Dodgers are the top wild card team, and they will host the Cincinnati Reds at Dodger Stadium for the wild card game. The Dodgers will win that wild card game, then beat the Giants in the NLDS and play the Milwaukee Brewers in the NLCS, and then it will be a rematch of the 2017 World Series, Dodgers-Astros. Ooh, that's a, big, that's a, that's, that's a well-mapped-up plan, and I, and I like it for the fact that you said the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs, but what I like even more is that the Dodgers are going to win the division. Yes, we want to keep it going, but it's not going to happen every year. And if it doesn't happen this year, it's not like the Dodgers finished in last place. They will probably finish with the second-best record in baseball. Nothing to be ashamed about. Well, no, but I still think they have a chance, and I think there's a way and a will there to win this division and pull this out here at the end. It's going to be tight, but um, I just don't like that wild-card game. I hate it. I, I yeah. Don't like I don't like a team that you said has the second best record in baseball has a chance to be eliminated in one game. So um, all as, all aspirations, all focus has to be on winning this division and pulling that out. Um, the the worst case scenario I think is what you just laid out is uh, being the wild card in this, and uh, you got to be all in on winning this division and figure out a way to. Uh, pull this within five games here going to the, you know, or pull it within one, you know, one game or even going in that last week and, uh, you know, send it home from there. Do you know who the Dodgers are playing the last six games of the regular season? 
Uh, I do not know yet, but I can look it up here on my schedule that I have up here on my you don't have to. MLB app. I'll tell you right now. I do. San Diego and Milwaukee. At Dodger Stadium. At Dodger Stadium, big games. I'll be out there for that. All right. We'll see you out there. I'll be I'll be sitting in the booth probably doing your job. <laughs> or the home run seats. We need you to distract those guys in the outfield. Yeah, we didn't have a good game. That's the only problem. We didn't have a good game that day. I was out there. I wasn't too happy about that. I don't want. I don't want to do that again when it's a really big game, and then me get blamed for it. Hey, so, by the way, si- the- since that game, since the Cubs no hit the Dodgers, they have the worst record in baseball, and the Dodgers have the second best record in baseball. Hey, sparks, sparks, plugs. <laughs> All right, Dre. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot for coming on, and enjoy back to school. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dave, and I uh, look forward to seeing you around uh, the stadium here hopefully soon, especially for this uh, make or break last seven weeks. Hey, you never know when you'll see Andre Ethier in the pavilion. You never know. As promised, Tim Neverett joins us, not only Dodger broadcaster, but now author of COVID Curveball, which will be available August 31st, wherever you buy your books, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all of that. And we have taken the podcast on the road to Dodger Stadium for this segment. Tim, thanks a lot for the time. David, I really appreciate it. I appreciate first being at Dodger Stadium, seeing a ball game in front of us, which is great. And uh, I appreciate you taking time to talk about the book. I, I think Dodger fans will be uh, uh, fun, you know, have fun with it, reminiscing about last season uh, and also learning a lot about uh, a lot of different kinds of stories. And uh, there's a lot in it, even though it was a 60 game season, but, uh, you know, had a lot of fun doing it. And I think the Dodger fans will like to kind of have it as a recap because nobody else really did a document on it. Yeah, and I always was wondering what the genesis of the book was because obviously we knew it was a strange year. Uh, you did not broadcast a game for the Dodgers last year because Charlie Steiner had a setup at his house. So, oh, you had seven? Did you have seven games last year? I had more on television than radio. Wow, yeah, maybe I, that's why I, I missed it. I, so you had seven games, yeah. but were you thinking about writing a book uh, throughout the season because you were only broadcasting seven or how did it come about to write this book? It's a good question, David, because what happened uh, during quarantine after spring training was shut down, my wife and I decided to go into the white mountains of New Hampshire in a cabin. And we just stayed away from humanity for (laughs) about six weeks up there. And just uh, she and I and our, our trusty sidekick dog, our chocolate lab, who's part human, Anyway, we, we'd go into the woods, and, and we'd walk throughout the woods and walk up the mountains and all this other stuff. And one day, we are just talking about baseball, and uh, she said, what do you think's going to happen? And I said, I really don't have any idea. I said, but I do think that one thing I should do is chronicle each day that we do have. Because at the time, we didn't know if we'd have 100 games, 60 games. When we get out here, if we'd have to stop again, we, I, we had no idea, right? No one knew. And so she said, that's a really good idea. You should pursue that. So we kind of talked about it more and sort of figured it out. So what I did was I went back and I wrote from spring training to the shutdown day from memory. And then after that, I started writing each and every day in real time. So when we got back out here to L.A., I wrote every day about summer camp, mm-hmm. about each you know exhibition game, then every game, uh, what it was like doing the broadcasts, what it was like for the players the testing, the protocols, all the different things that had happened during the season, just so that major league teams, including the Dodgers, 
could put on a major league game to entertain and distract people in what was arguably one of the most horrible years in our country's history. So I don't even know if it's arguable, but or the world in the world. <laughs> yeah. But so it was a, I mean, let's face facts. Having major league baseball around last year was a great distraction and it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot harder to get through a season. And, you know, being there too, uh, the sacrifices you had to make, the, the, the protocols you had to follow, uh, the, the challenges in doing the job you're used to doing. Now you had many changes in the way to do it. So I tried to chronicle it in a way that showed how different baseball was. And I also incorporated a lot of my own baseball stories, uh, things that I've experienced in the past, you know, both from uh, my time at the Olympics or my time with other ball clubs, uh, just to kind of give people some perspective on what's happening here. And, you know, we kept track of the, the COVID numbers as it was going along. It's written in journal form day by day. Mm -hmm. uh, it covers every game all the way through the World Series. And one of the revelations I came up with at the end was the most 2020 thing about Major League Baseball. And that was the fact that Blake Snell was dominating the Dodgers in Game 6 of the World Series. And due to analytics, he did not last as long as a game. He did not last as long in the game as a person with a positive COVID test playing third base for the Dodgers. <laughs> that, to me, was the most 2020 thing about the 2020 season. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, yeah. but that certainly is true. Yeah. And he hasn't really picked up from where he left off in Game 6 because he hasn't had that great of a season right. and, and with the, the Padres. And the amazing thing about that game, too, Snell leaves. Six, count them, six pitches later, the Dodgers have the lead, and then they put a stranglehold on the World Series. Yeah. It was over. Uh, once he left uh, due to their philosophy, the Rays' philosophy and their analytics and the way that they handle Blake Snell. And then Justin Turner later in the game, uh, it's reported that he had a positive test. Yeah. And ironically. What did you think, Tim, while you were watching the broadcast from your home yeah. in Boston, yeah. right? What did you think when Turner came out of the game? Did you have any suspicions that it could have been COVID-related? No. And I'll, yeah. tell you, and I'll tell you why. And you know this. Because Justin was the most forthcoming in terms of going above and beyond Major League's protocols. Remember, he, he texted us in the media during the season. Yeah, that's right. And he said, and I wrote that in the book, too, to remind fans that he's the one who took the initiative and said to the, to the media, you know, he texted us up here and Alana and everybody and said, you know, we're doing this over and above because we want to win. We want to stay healthy. He was the guy who spearheaded that. So I didn't even think that COVID would be a possibility. And I saw when Rios come out and play third base. I'm like, what happened to Turner? You get hurt. <laughs> and then I hear the report on TV. And I'm like, no way. There's no way. But that's uh, how it went. And uh, luckily, the World Series ended that night. Because if you think about it. What oh, would trust me. I have. <laughs> I was there. I did not want to stay in Texas for another week or two weeks. Yeah. Would there have been one more game? Would they have made everybody wait two weeks? They would have. I bet they would, would they have, have started declared, it again. Would they have declared co-champions? No. no. W what would they have done? They would have said, we're going to start this up. We're going to play again, yeah. game seven, in two weeks. And I would have gone back home. It would have been I would have. Hey, COVID curveballs out August 31st. You just talked about the journal style the book is written in. When you went back and did all that, did you tap into any of the players that were in Tier 1 or any of the staff members that were in Tier 1 while we were up here at Tier 3? You know, I didn't, and I had a reason for it, because I wanted to give a, a perspective from some – it's called an inside view, mm. right? So we had, the, we had the inside view 
However, we weren't allowed anywhere near the clubhouse. Right. We weren't allowed anywhere near the dugout. We weren't allowed on the field. You know, could we have reached out and talked to him on the phone? Absolutely. But I wanted to give the reader a perspective of what it was like from us with the limited access. And um, I thought that that would be a better way to do it because uh, it's easy enough to get uh, access when you're around a team every day. It's harder these days. I did utilize the Zoom access. So there's lots of quotes from the players and, and Dave Roberts and things like that. There are uh, there's many things that you know they said during the course of the season that are related in the book mm-hmm. because I took part in the Zooms every single day. I took yeah, notes. You were, I, re- yeah. I recorded them. I was there every single day, whether I was broadcasting the game or not. I remember your seat in the suite over here. <laughs> yeah, I was up to You had something. a nice uh, seat in the suite. And I did. You'd and, keep score, and you'd pay attention to the game and be with us for the yeah. post-game show. So it was, a, I guess, yeah. when you look back at it, a very surreal year. It was a surreal year. It was strange. It was like the twilight zone of baseball. It was really odd. And I wanted to try to convey that from – uh, you know, like our point of view where we watched the game from and how we had to cover the game. And it was just so different. It's not like, hey, I can just walk up to a player and have a conversation. You know, you, you can do that more now. We couldn't do that last year, right? It just wasn't possible. So I didn't want to try and do something that we didn't do during the normal course of a year because I wanted the, the reader to go along the journey with us to understand how much different it was. COVID Curveball. That's the title of the book. It's out August 31st, written by Tim Neverett, Dodger broadcaster. And the title seems very obvious now, COVID Curveball. How did you come up with it? And was there any thought not to include the word COVID in the title? No, when I gave the title to the publisher, they said, we love it trying to flatten the curve. So they got the word curve in there, right? Yeah. You kept hearing flatten the curve, COVID, curve, and then obvious baseball tie-in with curveball. So they, they thought the alliteration was good, and they thought the title was good, and then the, the subtitle, An Inside View of the 2020 World Champion Dodgers Season. Um, and it, it was uh, – it, it's gotten a lot – you know, it's gotten a lot of attention, obviously, because of the, na- the name of the book. But I think when you look back at it and – Ten years from now, if you look at it on your bookshelf and you see the title, you're going to know exactly what year it was. You're going to know exactly what happened. But then you're going to have, you know, all the inside views and the stories. You know, you're mentioned in it. What? Uh, oh, yes. I got to check it out. You're mentioned in it. Uh, anybody I worked with is mentioned in it. And and there's a lot. How of many times did you mention me, Tim? Oh, I, you're gonna make I me like go to back count, count my name in books. I'm going to say at least four. All right. Okay. I'll take four. At least four. I'll you, take four. I gave you a copy, so you're going to have to find it for yourself. <laughs> but um, the. the you know, I, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. So I was sitting with you the whole year, and you never knew that every day I was writing. Yeah. Until the last day of the season when I told some people. And I told the Dodgers. And the Dodgers were very supportive, and they've helped me uh, get it licensed through Major League Baseball. And they've, they've That's you know, great. gone above and beyond and, and have been supportive of the project. And What um, does that mean, by the way, licensed by Major League Baseball? You know, I don't know, but I guess it's good. I don't, like, would so, the book not have gone to Barnes & Noble or I licensed no by Major League Baseball? Yeah, not sure what that means. I, Can not, you use my picture, the Dodgers pictures? Maybe that's what it means. I think it is, has something to do with that, All right, yeah, All but, right, Tim. You know, so this we, is author book lingo that we don't know hey, about. The publishing business is new to me, too, so <laughs> I, I've been learning along the way. But here's the thing. We were able to do um, a lot with it. It's... It's available in hardcover, okay? You can pre-order it now on Amazon. I always tell people, just go to Amazon. It's the easiest way. You can get everything there, right? Everything in the world you want. 
Hey, but, I just bought a pool cleaner from Amazon. Yeah, well, get the pool really? cleaner and a book. Excellent. Did you get your pool there too? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, you can buy chlorine there. I know that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you go there. You can get the hardcover. It's available in Kindle form, and also an audiobook. From so progressive. You, you can go to Audible.com and get it, or or you can get the audiobook on on Amazon. I recorded the audiobook at a studio in Burbank, actually down the street from uh, from headquarters. Hey, you know what? I know we want to encourage people to read. But an audiobook narrated by you, the author, who's a broadcaster, would be pretty cool to listen to in the well, car. Thanks, thanks. That's what I'm hoping that people discover. And I've had a lot of people, you know, with physical challenges, too, that have uh, emailed me and uh, reached out to me on Twitter and said, you know, here is my situation. Will you have an audiobook? Mm. And I said, uh, you know, that's when I was really starting to consider doing it. And then I got a call from the publisher. I said, hey, do you want to do an audiobook? We have a deal for you if you do. And I said, yeah. So we put the deal together, and uh, within two weeks, I had it recorded. And it was, uh, it was. I'm, I'm glad we did it. So, and then due to the fact that, and for a guy like me, pictures, pictures, I need, I need audio books yeah. because only pictures well, tell are, the words for me. There are pictures, David, and they're in color. <laughs> so, one other thing too, uh, if I, if you don't mind, um, I don't mind, Tim. What else do well, you got? Because of COVID, right now we still we're not having live bookstore events usually oh, you right. have book signings and you go to stores so what um i'm able to do in lieu of that is offer to people on uh, on twitter or on instagram or facebook just ba- all the basic food groups of social media if they uh, reach out to me uh, i can get them a uh, an autographed copy that way i love it we can do signed copies and i'll personalize them all individually and perfect uh, and send them out that way how about an outdoor book signing we are working on that. All actually. right. We're working on that. We're actually also working on the logistics of a virtual book project where if you buy the book ahead of time, you get an email code to get in on a private Zoom meeting and we'll have like, you know, private book club after the fact. All right. You know, so we're, we're trying to figure ways around the, the, the no bookstore events at this point. You're doing a great job, Tim, of promoting it and reaching out to the fans. Good luck with the book, COVID Curveball, and you'll hear Tim throughout the rest of this season broadcasting baseball games from a baseball stadium it's awesome david i can't even explain (laughs) it it's so good to see fans here it's so because of what we went through last year you know and uh you know i think fans also will like the stories about you know like where rick monday lived last year where he stayed during quarantine that story's in there and then uh, you know, some of the wildlife that comes down from the hills that people would be surprised at. <laughs> don't give it away, when there's Tim. there's no one here. Like, what, was, right. what was going on in the skies above yes, Dodger Tim, Stadium? Yes, don't give it away. Read the book, COVID Curveball. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tim. David, thank you. You're the man. All right, that'll do it for episode 20 of the Extra Innings podcast presented by Corona. Thanks to Tim Neverick for joining us and go out and buy his book, COVID Comeback. It'll be a good gift for a dad, a Dodger fan, anytime, even for yourself. So check it out. And thanks again to Andre Ethier. Always love catching up with him. We'll be back next week with episode 21. And obviously, you'll always hear us on Dodger Talk after every single Dodger game. Game, and you can follow me on social media at the real underscore DV on Twitter and on Instagram at officially Vasse. See ya. We don't have to do anything extra. They've made a choice. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast. Extra Dodger content for Dodger fans who can't get enough of the blue. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss a single Dodger game at AM570LA Sports on the iHeartRadio app.